This episode of the Voices of Victors podcast brought to you by the University of Michigan Credit Union, the official auto loan provider of the Alumni Association of the University of Michigan. Go farther with UMCU. Auto loans new to UMCU have low rates that let you cover more ground for less. Visit umcu.org today. Insured by NCUA. From the Alumni Association of the University of Michigan, this is the Voices of Victors podcast. This month marks the 60th anniversary of the Peace Corps. In this episode, we'll tell the story of the Peace Corps and how a single speech from John F. Kennedy on the University of Michigan campus became the foundation for people to serve around the world. And we'll tell you the story about how University of Michigan students created the momentum to make this happen. In the years since, more than 235,000 Americans have joined the Peace Corps and served in 141 countries. But before we do that, let's find out how well you know your alumni. It's time for Guess That Grad. This episode's Guess That Grad is a Nobel Prize winner. What Nobel Prize winner in physics said in his speech, I hope that awarding the Nobel Prize to me will awaken the interest of students from the developing nations so that they will realize the importance of experimental work. Do you think you know the answer? You'll find out soon. In this episode, we're talking about the challenge to serve. When then-Senator John F. Kennedy spoke to students in October 1960, he inspired them to take the first steps toward the establishment of the Peace Corps. And this is that story. The iconic story of Senator John F. Kennedy announcing his vision of a volunteer youth corps is familiar to anyone who has ever toured the university campus and stopped at the entrance to the Michigan Union, where a plaque commemorates the event. But the details of the U of M students and faculty who took action in the succeeding weeks and months towards the establishment of the Peace Corps are less well known. Sergeant Shriver said if the students and faculty at the University of Michigan didn't respond when they did, there wouldn't have been a Peace Corps, says Alan Guskin, Ph.D. of 68, paraphrasing the first director of the Peace Corps and JFK's brother-in-law. Guskin, his then-wife Judy, Masters 61, Ph.D. of 70, and several other students formed a group with the idealistic name Americans Committed to World Responsibility and organized to respond to Kennedy's challenge and urge him to follow through once elected. But their work would not have started without that speech on the steps of the Michigan Union. There was no plan that he would speak when he came here, says John E. Greisberger, director of U of M's International Center. But when Kennedy and his entourage arrived at the Union, he adds, there was a mob of thousands of students, which really surprised him. Basically, his advisors said, you've got to say something. Rather than deliver a canned campaign speech, JFK challenged his audience with the question, how many of you who are going to be doctors are willing to spend your days in Ghana? Technicians or engineers, how many of you are willing to work in the foreign service and spend your lives traveling around the world? The reason he chose to deliver those particular remarks at that particular time isn't clear, says Judy Guskin. U of M economics professor Samuel Hayes was writing a position paper for JFK at the time about a volunteer corps, which was also the subject of two bills that had been recently introduced in the U.S. Congress by Senator Hubert Humphrey and Representative Henry Royce. So the subject might have been on Kennedy's mind, or the reason might have been more simple. We were students. There was a lot of us. This was a major university, says Judy Guskin. Since it was near the very end of the campaign, a response might trigger something further on this idea before the end of the election, which was coming up. This was the ideal place to do it. 
and excite a group of students. What is known for sure is that JFK arrived in Ann Arbor from New York after the third of his four debates against Richard Nixon. After many ground delays due to bad weather on the East Coast, the candidate's airplane landed at Willow Run Airport in neighboring Ypsilanti, Michigan, where he delivered a campaign speech. He stopped at Eastern Michigan University to deliver another campaign speech before heading to Ann Arbor. The campaign intended for JFK to get a few hours of sleep at the Michigan Union before starting a whistle-stop tour of the state the next day. Watching the debate that night were the Guskins, who spontaneously decided to walk to the Union and see Kennedy. We just decided, why not, says Al Guskin. In fact, one of our friends was trying to discourage us, saying, ah, he's just another politician. We decided to do it anyway. I don't think we expected it to be 2 a.m. when he got there. It was so late that Dean of Women Deborah Bacon periodically extended the curfew to allow the women's students to attend. Less than a week after the speech, U.S. Representative Chester Bowles, a JFK foreign policy advisor, spoke at the Michigan Union Ballroom before an audience that included the Guskins. He didn't know anything about Kennedy's talk, but someone asked him a question about what Kennedy had said, and he talked about his son and daughter-in-law, who were in Nigeria at the time doing a Peace Corps-like assignment. Again, inspired, Al and Judy Guskin drafted a letter on a restaurant napkin supporting the idea of the Peace Corps. They personally delivered the letter to Tom Hayden, class of 61, then editor of the Michigan Daily, urging its publication. Once the letter was published on October 21st, the couple's phone rang off the hook with calls from numerous students excited about the concept of the Peace Corps and wanting to participate. As the student group Americans Committed to World Responsibility, they organized a petition drive and gathered several hundred signatures within a few days. The petition basically said, we love this idea. We want to get in back of this idea of Kennedy's, and we are willing to serve, says Judy Guskin. And the petition went all over campus. In classrooms, faculty allowed it to be circulated. One student, Sharon Jeffrey, told her mother about the movement. Mildred Jeffrey, who was the Democratic National Committee woman for the state of Michigan, immediately contacted the Kennedy campaign, eventually speaking with speechwriter Ted Sorensen. That's when Kennedy's aide and speechwriter decided that there needed to be a major speech about this says Greisberger. And at the Cow Palace in San Francisco, only six days before the election, JFK gave that major speech where he shared his vision for world peace and actually proposed the Peace Corps. Following the November 2nd Cow Palace speech, Kennedy traveled to Toledo, Ohio, where a group of 14 U of M students met Kennedy and showed him their petitions. Mildred Jeffrey had called the Guskins before the speech to let them know that Kennedy wanted to meet them. She said, Kennedy's going to make a speech at the Cow Palace and he's going to mention your group and he wants to meet you, says Judy Guskin. And I sat down in shock. She said, look, he has a speech in Toledo. Can you get some people together and go and meet him and bring the petitions to Toledo? So of course we said yes. In Toledo, Al Guskin asked Kennedy about his commitment to the idea and he responded, until Tuesday, the election. After that, the world. In December 1960, following Kennedy's election, Americans committed to world responsibility organized a two-day conference in Ann Arbor to flesh out the Peace Corps concept. We ran a conference at the University of Michigan on the Peace Corps involving faculty and international students in Rackham, probably the first teach-in at the University of Michigan, says Al Guskin. We had separate sections on what selection would be like, what training would be like, what overseas service would be like. And then we developed working papers from that conference. And we suggested those working papers would be good for a conference in Washington, D.C., 
that the students at the American University were planning. So we joined with those students and the students from the National Student Association to hold a conference on the Peace Corps in Washington at the end of March. The conference keynote speaker was Senator Humphrey. Other speakers included Shriver. That same month, on March 1st, President Kennedy signed an executive order creating the Peace Corps, and the bill authorizing it was signed in September 1961. The first groups going to Ghana and Tanzania, then called Tanganyika, left in August 1961. With plans moving so fast, the Peace Corps hurried to recruit staff to help launch the program. By sheer coincidence, Nicholas Hobbs, the first director of selection for the Peace Corps, called U of M professor Theodore Newcomb, who happened to be Al Guskin's mentor. Nick Hobbs called Ted Newcomb in probably May or early June asking if he had any graduate students in psychology who would be good to work on selection for the summer in the Peace Corps in Washington. Hobbs did not know about my involvement at the University of Michigan. Of course, Ted Newcomb did. And Ted said, I've got the perfect person. And so he suggested me to Hobbs, and Hobbs invited me to go to Washington to work in the Peace Corps. You talk about serendipity. So I go to Washington, and Judy comes with me, and we don't know what Judy's going to do. But she meets Nick Hobbs when we arrived in Washington, and he says to Judy, would you like to work too? So just like that, the Guskins found themselves reviewing applications for the Peace Corps volunteers who would serve in Pakistan and Thailand. The Guskins went and helped create the infrastructure and basically looked at all the applications that were flooding in from people who wanted to join the Peace Corps, said Greisberger. So they were selecting individuals for various Peace Corps sites at that point. And through that process, they themselves decided to join the Peace Corps and applied for the first group that was going to Thailand. The University of Michigan, again, played a vital role in the evolution of the Peace Corps. The first group to serve in Thailand, including the Guskins, headed to Ann Arbor in fall 1961 for their training. The university had faculty and staff with a background in Thai language and culture, as well as many foreign students from that country. Within one year, the University of Michigan played a vital role in the development and implementation of the new government program. Looking back, Al Guskin says it isn't surprising that so much happened in Ann Arbor. He stresses the importance of the political atmosphere on campus in late 1960. If you didn't have a person like Tom Hayden, who was responsive to student activism as the editor of the Michigan Daily, they may not have published the letter. And there were marches down State Street in support of the civil rights movement in the South. There was a movement on the university campus that Phil Powers, later a regent, led to try to involve students more in participation and governance of the university. And there were a lot of liberal, progressive professors. So it was a place that was very responsive to students, to international events. I feel blessed to have been a part of it. Sharon Morioka, Class of 84, Masters of 86, is the editor of the Michigan Alumnus. We thank her for her contribution to the podcast. So were you able to figure out Guess That Grad? Let's refresh your memory. What Nobel Prize winner in physics said in his speech... I hope that awarding the Nobel Prize to me will awaken the interest of students from the developing nations so that they will realize the importance of experimental work. That was Samuel C.C. Ting, class of 59, master's 1960, Ph.D. 1963, doctor of science 1978. Dr. Ting was born in Ann Arbor while his parents were visiting from China. When he moved to the U.S. to attend U of M at age 20, Ting stayed with the College of Engineering dean and family friend G.G. Brown. Ting would go on to demonstrate quarks, those are subatomic particles, and how they are actual constituents of matter, for which he was awarded the 1976 Nobel Prize in Physics.
Want to get connected with your fellow alumni? You can do it at these upcoming virtual events. By the way, these events and more can be found at alumni.umich.edu slash events. On March 16th, the Alumni Association of the University of Michigan presents Woman Up or Man Up, How to Manage Your Career Like a Boss. Getting a job is one thing, but getting ahead in your career is another. Everyone receives training and education about how to do a job. But how often do you get training or education about how to successfully manage your career? From increasing your visibility to squashing self-sabotaging behavior, you'll learn the top tips, tricks, secrets, and strategies to make sure you're always in the driver's seat. And yes, while this session is supportive of Women's History Month in March, we serve and welcome attendance from all genders. Woman Up or Man Up, How to Manage Your Career Like a Boss happens March 16th in partnership with the University of Denver. And on March 24th, the U of M Club of Northern New Jersey is presenting how to prepare your high schooler for college applications. This is always good information. Join us for a crash course followed by a Q&A on how to prepare your high school student for college applications. We'll discuss what students should be doing in each grade, 9 through 12, to get ready for college, class selection, testing, different parts of college applications, and what your student can be doing right now, even with COVID-19 restrictions. The event is free, but please consider a donation to the U of M Club of Northern New Jersey's scholarship fund to support local students. These virtual events and more can be found at alumni.umich.edu events. The Alumni Association of the University of Michigan provides connection and community for your fellow alumni. Have you become a member? We invite you to do so. Visit our website at alumni.umich.edu. We are using this platform to amplify the voices of alumni everywhere and tell their stories. If you like what you heard, give this podcast a rating and review and hit the subscribe button or ask your smart speaker to play the Voices of Victor's podcast. Until next time, wherever you go, go blue.